Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hey, welcome to another episode. If you're listening, go ahead and go out and subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the show, give us a five-star review That way we can move up in the rankings and other people can find the show and be impacted and inspired just like you. Are you a woman of color in tech who feels stuck because you don't see people who look like you? You lack support from someone who truly understands your journey and you want to overcome the obstacles that you're facing in the tech industry? If you want to elevate your pay, become a leader in your company, and be noticed by colleagues and executives to advance in your career, then Tech Trifecta is for you. It's my three-month private coaching program, and it's now open. Only a limited number of women are going to be accepted. So apply today at tlmintl.link forward slash Tech Trifecta. My guest this week is Sharon Hughes. Sharon is the author of the best-selling book, The Girl in the Garage, Three Steps to Letting Go of Your Past, a faith-based book for breaking free from a lack of confidence and self-worth issues. She is the founder of the Confidence Academy, the host of Call to Confidence podcast, a confidence and self-worth expert, and a critical incident stress debriefer. She is an excellent communicator that speaks in a friend-over-coffee style that is easy to connect with. When she's not coaching women, recording her show, or plotting her next book, you can find her gazing at a California sunset, petting every dog that crosses her path, and eating an obscene amount of popcorn. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to Trina Talk. Oh, hello there, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you for taking time out of your day. You are a busy woman. You are an author. You also have a podcast um, and you're doing some amazing things. And how I always like to start out the show, I ask my guests to tell the listeners who you are and what made you the Sharon that you are today. Oh, wow. Well, I'm Sharon Hughes. I'm a confidence and self-worth expert. And what made me who I am today is, oh boy, How about four decades of learning the hard way? (laughs) I think that's the the honest answer. Yep. (laughs) You know, I have to say when I saw that, I was like, where was she like when I was in my 20s and 30s and just a mess? So tell, tell me, so I always like to, before we delve into all the good stuff, I always like to know, what did you do prior to being your, you know, the confidence and self-worth expert? And how did you, you know, decide that this is what you needed to do? 
Well, gosh, it's been such a journey. And I have done everything from being a swimwear model, which um, I kind of chuckle about because that was 30 years ago. But I've, you know, I've bartended and I was in banking and then I was a um, personal trainer in the fitness world. And then I had an international wholesale business and just, you know, I did all these different things. And what I found the common thread was, was that I really, really liked helping people. So when I had my international wholesale business, I advertised in a lot of big magazines and got to know uh, editors and a lot of people in the industry. And one day I thought, gosh, it was so easy to put this together, this little business of mine. Why don't I put on events like entrepreneurial events and kind of, you know, you go girl type of events and help women get that mojo to go and do what they've been dreaming of. And so that really sparked that I loved speaking and I really, really found that I just loved encouraging women so much that when I was actually closing my business in 2013, I decided to pursue life coaching and, and as they say, the rest is history. Wow. Interesting. So you, I'm a speaker too, so I love to speak, but you have decided to do confidence and self, um, self worth. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Well, I know we're going to go deep today, (laughs) Trina, my friend, (laughs) I never had a confidence problem. I'm an extrovert. What I had was a self worth problem. I had grown up in an abusive home and a lot of really bad things happened to me. And what I started to realize is, for example, when I had my wholesale business, I was getting a lot of press. And I remember one day I was, I was very excited and very, very thankful for everything that I I had. But one day I had this thought that I really hadn't worked hard enough for those accolades And I kind of thought about it for a moment and brushed over it. And it wasn't until I was going through being certified as a life coach and I was planning my next event for women, I started thinking about like, I've been dragging around a a lot of mess for a long time and getting deep in that and realizing when you're on top of your game. And you're winning and you still think, I don't really deserve this. I didn't work hard enough. There's a problem with that thinking. Mm -hmm. And so shortly after that, I went into corporate training and I was given free creative reign just to do anything I wanted to do. And quite a few of the managers had told me, "We, we need people development, not just the hard skills in their job, but the soft skills. So I thought, okay, I had, I had had God whisper something to me in the middle of, of my personal mess of healing and having that healthy self-worth. And I thought, I'm going to try it out in the corporate world. So what I did was basically said to this room full of people, men, women, all different backgrounds, as I said, you know, that thing that you've dragged around all your life, the coach that told you, you won't make the cut the lover that walked out on you and told you, you know, nobody will ever love you. Or maybe it was the parent or teacher that said, you know, you're stupid. 
Like you cannot learn anything. And I said, you know, don't say what it is, but hold on to that thought. You've that thing that you've been dragging around. And I did this whole training. And at the end I said, okay, that thing that you've been dragging around, who would you be if you weren't that? And a lady in the front row just blurted out free. And I thought, okay, we're on to something. So about a week or so later, I did the same training with another group. And in this training, two people started crying. And all I could think of is I'm going to get fired because you're not supposed to be people cry in corporate training. But after I was all done, one of the guys, it was actually, there was a guy and a girl that had started to cry. This guy, I'd say he's probably 37 years old, comes up to me and he goes, I haven't spoken to my family in 10 years and I'm going to call them tonight. And I just thought, okay, this is really, this is the deep issue. And that became very foundational to the book that I wrote, The Girl in the Garage, because, and that's a whole nother story. I don't know if we're going to have time to go into that, but people drag around things that have hurt them and wounded them so deeply that most of the time are lies or half-truths. And it keeps them from being successful And even enjoying their success because they keep thinking, well, what's the next thing to make me feel good about myself? So that's the really long answer. No, that was amazing. And we are going to talk about your book. Um, And I asked you that first because similar to you, um, I grew up in an abusive home with my mother saying everything that she could to basically tear me down. Um, Mm. Unlike you, I'm an introvert, but I never had the confidence issue. My thing was the self-esteem, Mm self-worth. And how I turned that around was I ended up being a type A, really driven person. You know, my resume was great and, you know, had everything. But then, yeah, I would come home and I was like, I'm just a mess on the inside. You know, Mm -hmm. I I feel like a failure. Um, Those, you know, words kept coming Mm -hmm. into my head. So that's really why I, I wanted to know that because I, I can relate. Right. Um, so that w- is very interesting that you decided to do that. And in a corporate setting, you had people to react the way mm-hmm. you did, because that's not what you expect. Right. In corporate. Right. Setting. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was an amazing time of of learning so much. I was just going at it as hard and as fast as I could because, you know, I was on my own personal journey Mm -hmm. to really break through some of the things from my past. But I thought this stuff works. We could literally change the world by this. And um, so I'm really driven. I'm very driven Mm -hmm. to, to help people let go of these lies that they believe. What I, I like to say, this is really powerful is believing a lie is just as powerful as believing the truth. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's so true. But why do why do we opt to believe the lies that because that's what we hear resonating in our head all the time. That's the mm-hmm. that's the thing that stings the most, so that's what we keep bringing up. Why is that? Well, quite often, especially if it started at childhood, you know, when we're little kids, we think, well, the adults around us must know better. And they say these things and, you know, we are small and our little minds are 
absorbing everything around us. And even if a small child is like, hey, wait a second, this isn't right, which isn't always typical. Children, especially really small children, they're not discerning of truth and lies. They, they're subject to their parents, their caretakers, teachers to be their, you know, guardians and, and guides, guide them to, to the North Star, so to speak. So those things come in and, and you start to second guess yourself. And even if you doubt for a moment, what's going on here? These, these people are saying things. I don't think this is right. If it persists, what I found was that that little voice inside you, that, that gut check that says something isn't right, starts to become silenced. And we stop listening to our gut. I, I think that gut is is really put in us by you know God Almighty. Mm-hmm. I think that that's like kind of a, um, you know, like a safety mechanism, if yes. you will. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny you say that because I, I I can remember when I was going through my mess when I was really in my you know low self esteem, um, having people just treat me the way that they wanted to, just settling all that. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, yeah, not hearing that voice anymore because mm-hmm. I, I think I was just numb and just hoping somebody yeah. would love me and care for me. Whereas now I'm very mm-hmm. keen on it and you yeah. know, I, I, I listen to it and I'm very aware and discerning. Um, mm-hmm. So that's very, very interesting that you were able to, to realize that. It took a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a really exactly. long time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So yeah, we can, we're going to have a, a deep conversation. Um, <laughs> so tell me about your book. So your book is The Girl in a Garage, Three Steps to Letting Go of Your Past. Yeah. Talk about that. Oh, all right. Well, here we go, audience. <laughs> <laughs> So like I had said earlier, um, grew up with lot, a lot, lot of brokenness, you know, um, abuse type of situations from, from multiple people inside and outside the home. But what really sealed the deal for me was when I was 16, I went to a Halloween party with an older boy. And I know you're already bracing yourself because you know where this is going to go. <laughs> And when I got there, he wasn't real interested in me. And it was kind of like, oh, that's okay. Party was at an older sister's house. And another sister handed me a cup. Mm. I went into the bathroom and I was kind of adjusting my costume, took a few sips of this, of this drink. And immediately I thought, I'm so tired. I just need to lay down. And I remember laying on the floor in the bathroom I woke up seven hours later in a garage at another location, and my uninterested date was now very interested, to put it nicely. So I got home. He he drove me home, which was quite interesting. And so it's like, you know, four-ish in the morning, and the front porch light was off and the door was locked. And I had to, you know, knock and get, get somebody out of bed to come to the door and When my mom opened the door, she just looked at me. She didn't say, where have you been? What happened? And that is what really sealed the deal. It was just, I knew it didn't matter. I wasn't important. And it was never discussed. 
So I went on through life doing what I had always done was, you know, kind of being Susie Sunshine, you know, the nice girl, um, shoved everything down and just continued on as best as I could until I couldn't. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Whew. I am sorry you had to go through that because I, you know, like I said, I, I can relate. I I know how it feels to have a parent that, you know, talks to you like you're nothing and doesn't really care. So how did you get past that? How did you work on letting go of your past? Well, being that I'm a, a woman of faith and I, I think now, you know, I just, I just believe that all those things that are horrible, somehow the Lord in his goodness gives us beauty for ashes. Mm. And that's what he did here with me. You know, a lot of people can go through those kind of things and become bitter and jaded and angry. And I don't know, I just wasn't wired that way. Now on the other side of it, I'm 55 and I go, this was my calling and purpose. Mm. Somehow he knew that I would be able to turn this around and help other people. So how I did that, gosh, you know, it was a lot of just hard, hard work. I I would literally, you're going to laugh at this. Do you know who Joyce Myers is? Heard the name before. So, yeah. So she's a, she's a pastor and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, she's kind of a roll up your sleeves, let's get her done type of person. Mm And, um, at the height of going through the healing, I would have her on or worship music on, Mm -hmm. or even just like the read the Bible app going when I went to bed at night, like I had to have it all in my head Yes, all the time. You know, the truth of who you are, because somebody in your audience is listening to this and they think I'm nothing, I'm nobody. And that is a lie. You, my friend matter, Mm -hmm. you are important and you have a purpose So it was really getting deep in that um, undoing the, what do I believe about myself? And, and always asking myself, is this true? And then you have to go a little deeper and say, okay, if you think it's true, well, well, what evidence do you have? Because so-and-so said so, well, why don't we look at who that so-and-so is? You know, what are, what are they doing? Oh, they're just sitting in the lazy boy chair, drinking a cold one and barking orders at everybody else. Mm, I don't think that that's who gets to decide my value. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh my goodness. You know, it's it's so funny because like I said, I've said it several times already, but I can relate because just like you, when I was going through my mess, I had to have on any kind of inspiration or spiritual mm-hmm. something. You know, I was listening to mm-hmm. Joel Osteen. I was listening mm-hmm. to T.D. Jakes. I was listening to yeah. everything to get me through. And here's my question for you. I, I experienced this and I want to know if you experienced it. Mm-hmm. Did you did you think that, okay, I'm unlovable. Or I can't be loved because of this thing or someone is going to judge me if I tell them this thing. Oh, yeah. You know, that's just the lie. Mm -hmm. That's the shame and blame that comes in. I used to think if people only knew, then they wouldn't like me. 
Right. So, and, and I think it's also really important that um, for anybody in your audience that has went through some type of trauma, they find somebody very safe that mm-hmm. they can discuss this with. Because the last thing, and this happens all the time, is we tell the wrong person and that person says, well, why were you there? You were asking for it. How were you dressed? Or I just don't believe you. Right. Yeah. Which makes the trauma even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah. you know, and it's so, it's so sad. And it's, you know, just going back to what you were saying about when you were giving the corporate training, it's amazing. And I'm, and did you feel this way that how so many people have things like that? Mm-hmm. in their life that they have suppressed or they're holding on to or mm-hmm. whatever. And we don't know that because we all, you know, we walk around like, say, you know, you were driven. I was driven. We turned this all into different kind of energy mm-hmm. to get past yeah. it. But then you have people in corporate training that start crying or saying, I'm going to go call my you know, family that I haven't mm-hmm. spoken to. Isn't yeah. it amazing how many people have that kind of trauma in their life? Mm-hmm. And we have no one else has that kind of clue. And and of course, that's not something you, you know, you lead with and you meet people. You don't go, oh, hi, I'm Trina here. You know, here's all my, you know, screw up mess yeah. in my life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? you don't do that. So, right. you know, it's. Yeah. So how how are you when you work with people? How are you helping them to get past that and let go? And, and I totally agree that you have to have someone safe mm-hmm. in your life that you can talk to. What are you doing to help other people with that? Well, it's a long curriculum. In fact, just tonight, I'm wrapping up a 16-week course with a group, but it's a process. And and I think that going through that process, some people get scared and they're just like, because it doesn't feel good, right? To unearth something that you believed, or you're doing this work and all of a sudden you remember something that you shoved down and suppressed. It. I just want to say the other side is so much better. Like give yourself the chance to get to the other side. It's hard. I used to say it's like a bloody street fight of me getting out of the garage. That's what I would equate it to because there were times when I would get triggered and I would cry so hard. I would just about throw up Mm. and just, you just, you're sitting there and you're just thinking nobody can possibly understand this, but there really are people around that too. And so that's part of, you know, that, that deception is that first of all, we can't tell. And then second of all, nobody would understand. So we keep things shoved down, but um, yeah, it's just, it's a really long process. And we start with, you know, what is it that you believe about yourself? And then we say, is it true? And then we start looking at, well, well, what's the truth about you? And everything that I do is through that biblical lens. So it's really hard for me to talk about this type of work without bringing in the faith is because I, that's just, it's, it runs so deep for me Mm -hmm. is that, and, and honestly, like, so anybody in your audience that's saying, well, I don't know if I believe in God, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I would still tell that person, you matter. You are here for a purpose. You have something inside you that's different than anybody else does. And you might not be ready to accept God. Like Mm -hmm. so many people are not because they think, well, I went through all these terrible, hard things. Why would God allow that? Which I actually address in my book. It's Mm -hmm. this little sneaky thing called free will. 
that mm. has big consequences. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I, I wrote a book titled From a Mess to Amazing, <laughs> my thing. Um, and when I was going through my cleanup, mm. my hardest thing was forgiving myself. Because, you know, you work with, you know, telling people, you know, think about this. Is this really true? And even though I knew I wasn't that person that I had been mm-hmm. told that I was, mm-hmm. because I was told I was that person, I had made the poor decisions and the bad choices in life. And mm-hmm. that really just stuck with me. I, I mm-hmm. couldn't get past that because I was like, you're not this person. Yeah. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? So that really was the hard thing for me to actually let it go and yeah. forgive myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a battlefield all in its own. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We make choices sometimes just on autopilot. You yeah. know, this is this is the person that I've been. If I really stopped and and thought this through, would I do that? Maybe. Maybe not, but these mm-hmm. narrow pathways of what, how we think and which leads to how we behave and act and how we feel, they're so deep. Yeah. So the things that you went through set you up for certain behaviors, mm-hmm. just like they did myself and, and you and I, if we went out to with a, a group of women, see you and I now have this really funny gift that we can see a woman and talk to her for, she could barely say hello. And you and I can read it and go, Oh, Mm -hmm. she's hurting. Even though Mm -hmm. she's dressed to the nines, she's got the corner office in the C-suite. She's driving that Mercedes. Mm -hmm. She's hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. So you're the founder of confidence Academy. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that is. So Confidence Academy is is live workshops, almost like when you're watching this video here and I walk you through different ways of understanding how you think, you know, what makes you act the way that you do and how to be more confident. And most of the time it boils boils down to that self-worth piece. Most people will say, oh, well, I would do that if I was confident. But really, I think confident is a skill set, just like learning how to how to type on a keyboard. Mm-hmm. You can learn to be confident. The real work is in feeling like you deserve things. It's that self-worth piece. So I go in really deep on that. And then I also have something that's even deeper, which is called to confidence. And that's really addressing people that are dealing with brokenness. Wow. Wow. It's just amazing. And and I had never heard of anyone with a confidence academy. So it's very interesting. So when you when you started doing your trainings in corporate and you were like, okay, this is really I've, you know, touched on something here. Yeah. And how did you come about to saying, okay, I'm going to form this confidence academy? It was it the aha, this is it, or how many iterations did it take before you finally said, you know, this is the best way I can help other people? Oh gosh, it was so many iterations. I had faithful lady boss. I had (laughs) limitless life. Gosh, there was probably 
four or five um, that were really sprouting out of those entrepreneurial events for women. And, you know, I was doing those and I think I got to about the, I don't know, eight or nine year mark. And I was like, I don't want to talk about business anymore. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about matters of the heart. And that was the really hard pivot and it was funny as I, I actually flew to Arizona to go to a, a speaker's retreat and everyone that came and there was several hundred people there had to have a five minute talk prepared. And I got there and I had something really safe prepared. And I remember standing in the bathroom and I felt like God says, nope, you need to tell your story. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so I call that bathroom negotiations with God. I started messaging girlfriends and saying, I feel like the Lord's telling me to tell this story and I couldn't reach anybody. And then I'd get a text back that says, we're praying for you. You'll be fine. Just do it. I thought, you don't even know most of the story. So I argued more and um, ended up doing it. And I said, it's three steps to letting go of your past. And so I, I gave that little tiny talk and I walked off the stage and I said, that's it. That's the mm. book that I've always wanted to write. The Girl in the Garage, Three Steps to Letting Go of Your Past. So here we are. <laughs> wow. Wow. Just isn't it amazing when when you actually have that discernment and you're, you're listening and you're yeah. following what's, you know, God is telling you to do. So amazing. It wow. is. It's so it's it's just surprising. I think it's really surprising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It it is. It it really is. And I like you, you know, in my business, I had several iterations of different things. And I'm like, nope, that's not it. And that's not it. So yeah. oh my goodness, it's just yeah, just knowing, like you said, that confidence and actually getting tapping into who you are and mm -hmm. and knowing. So in your Confidence Academy, when you're working with people, um, who do you find come to you? Is it male, female, both? Is it um, the high-powered professional person? How, what are the demographics? No, well, I've had both men and women approach me, but I really, sorry, guys, I want to work with women. <laughs> and it's really two demographics. It's women that are in their fifties to sixties mm -hmm. that feel like, okay, I've raised my kids. Everybody's out of the house. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're widowed or most of them are single, which is very interesting. And they're usually single because they've had trauma and they've married Joe after Joe after Joe that mm -hmm. wasn't a good Joe. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, you know, now, now I'm ready mm -hmm. to deal with my stuff. And then the other demographic is the age group of my daughter. It's the 30-ish year old that says, my mom wasn't around. She never told me any of this. Mm. And they need that cool aunt that will tell them all the things. I'm, yeah. like, I'm not really that cool. I'm kind of a nerd, but be glad to help you. <laughs> wow. So th these, you know, so you have these women coming to you and like you said, it's the woman. So like me, you know, in the fifties, I said, okay, you know, I'm tired of going through the same cycle, mm -hmm. need my help. Uh, you need your help to help me, you know, move on with the second part of my life. Right. Cause mm -hmm. you know, that's where I am now. I'm like, okay, my second half has got to be better than the first half. Um, so what is your 
process for just kind of bringing them along? You know, what do you do? Do you have uh, a certain um, methodology methodology that you take them through? What is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it depends on what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I have the do-it-yourself program where they can just watch the videos and fill out the worksheets and go at their own pace, or those gals that they really want to go deep. And the gals that want to go deep and one-on-one, it's more we go at their pace. Okay. I, but I do push a bit. Try to get them through and just really get down to the nitty gritty of, you know, all the junk that they're, they're dragging around. And, you know, it's interesting is they deal with the stress that the fitting in and the heartbreak in very interesting ways. And it's everything from shopping so that they look like they're okay. You know, they've got Mm -hmm. all that, all those nice things to uh, sitting on the floor in the kitchen and, you know, eating out of the cool whip container, which mm. I think we've all done that mm-hmm. one. So they're, they're filling it up with that emotional eating. It can be porn. It can mm. be popping pills. It can be drinking. It, it could be gambling. It could be risky sex. Wow. Like they, women will, well, men and women will do any variety of things to stop the bleeding. And I really think that addiction is a trauma response because Mm -hmm. nobody wakes up and goes, Oh, I think I'm just going to go gamble until I lose my house today. Right. You know, there's, there's something going on beneath the surface. So it's a lot of uncovering what's really the issue here. This isn't just that you don't think that you deserve the C-suite or that you, you deserve to be, you know, loved, right. Something like that something deeper. It's a lot of, a lot of lack of self, self self-love and then we deal with self-abandonment. Yes. That's a big one. Yes. Oh my goodness. Wow. You know, and I never thought about it that way when you, yeah, when you're, uh, don't know your worth, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't feel love. And so, yeah, you find things to numb that Mm -hmm. and you don't, you're not consciously doing that, but you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's, you know, that's really, I had never thought about that, but it is, it's, it's, it's an addiction. It's your way of numbing that Mm -hmm. pain um, Mm -hmm. from, from shopping to, like you said, to the gambling, the drinking, the popping bills, it can be from one end of the spectrum to the other. Uh, Wow. You know, and it's, you know, it's really, it's really sad because, I think people don't look at things like that, you know, as I have an issue, I need help. Um, because, you know, at first I didn't, you know, I kept chugging along and, you know, I was that person, you know, oh, well, let me shop. Yeah, I, I look great on outside and, you know, on the inside I'm a mess, but, you know, I I, I got those new boots and that new coat, so I'm going to look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because there's no physical outward scars Mm -hmm. that we think that, okay, I'm okay. Or this is just me or whatever. I can get past it. No big thing. But Mm -hmm. I think with that kind of trauma, I think it's something that really is a, is more hurtful than a physical scar because Mm -hmm. it's something that you're always replaying in your head. Always, 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 always. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's bad. 
It's bad. <laughs> the, the videotape in your head is dangerous. Yeah, to it, say the least. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely is. Oh, my goodness. So, oh, see, I, I don't want to keep. I can see your this. wheels are spinning. You, you and I should get together and we should. I don't know. Maybe we should do an event for women. <laughs> it, you know, that's what I'm thinking, because they it is my wheels are spinning. And I know we have limited time here, but man, it's just. Yeah, it's very, very pervasive. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more offline. So <laughs> are you ready for your questions? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Here comes the 10 questions. Okay. Here we go. It, it, have no fear. You're going to do fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who or what motivates you? Oh, I think my kids. I have three grown kids. Yeah. They yeah. motivate me. Yeah. What demotivates you? Oh, the stuff that's going on in the world today. That's so divisive. It makes mm. me just sad. And I kind of, I kind of want to sit on the floor and eat cool whip. <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, when was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm, well, Gosh, probably all the stuff that's in my book, even even the whole garage thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yep. it turned you turned that around. What is your fear? You know, what? I'm really not afraid of very many things at all. Gosh, that's a good question. I've killed a rattlesnake. I don't know. I kind of feel like a dragon slayer some days. So I maybe what I would be afraid of is. Um, it's kind of it's kind of that thing that's probably on a lot of mamas' minds. It's like, what's going on in the world? And you know, what's this gonna be like for my kids? What's mm. what's gonna happen to coming generations? Yeah. Yeah. It's a concern. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Oh yeah. I think there's so many times, you know, we always, we play that game of what would you tell your 20 year old self? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, definitely, you know, to, I wish that I had believed in my value all those years ago. If I could go back in time, I would do that, but then I probably wouldn't have experienced all the things that I did that ended up in the book. So maybe I would have wrote a different book. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Okay. Is there a time you wish you had not done something? Oh, yeah, but I can't tell you that here. <laughs> it's something you can tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe off the air. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'll let you slide on that one. Okay. What is your definition of success? Mm. I think when you just lay in bed every night and you could just, you know, just go, you know, I, I did good today. I made somebody smile, brought some joy somewhere, left something in this crazy world a little bit better than before. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like success has to be a big over the top dollar amount or house or car. It's more, it's like, it's a feeling. Yeah. yeah. Yes. How do you recharge? Oh, I read a lot. I read and pray a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's always good. What are you awesome at? Making pancakes. Ooh. 
Mm. That sounds delicious. What legacy do you want to leave? Oh, gosh. I want this this next generation uh, to come up knowing their value. Yeah. That's a good one. Sharon, go ahead and tell the listeners again how they can connect with you, your website, how to get your book, if they want to do the Confidence Academy online or in person. Give us all of it. Yes, you can find me at SharonHughes.net. And if you're looking for the book, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And if you're interested in um, more information about leveling up your confidence, just feel free to reach out to me. You can find me at Sharon at SharonHughes.net. And I'd love to hear from you. Great. Well, Sharon, thank you for the great conversation. I'm pretty sure we'll stay in touch, but thank you for taking time out of your day. Oh, absolutely. You're just a treasure. Thank you so very much, Trina. Thank you. I want to thank my guests for being on the show and I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to tune in next week.